I don't know about you, but my first remembrances of, of heaven, did anybody actually grow up in a church setting? Probably some of you, right? Like, and a lot of you didn't. So this might feel foreign to you if you didn't grow up in a church world. But my first imaginings of heaven wasn't the Mercy Me song. It was actually way before that. Uh, Steve Sisson was the pastor of the Nazarene Church in my hometown, and Steve was a fiery brand preacher, and Steve uh, talked every week about heaven and about hell, and if that eastern sky were going to split today, where would you go? It scared the bejesus out of me. And what I remember thinking was, I don't want to go to hell, because that didn't sound like much fun, but on the other side, what, and I don't know that Steve actually said this, I'm not even sure he meant it, or, but I intuited it somehow, that heaven was like an eternal church service. Maybe I was, did anybody else think that? Like, I got to go to church forever? Like, two hours already feels like forever. And it was like hard wooden pews. I had to sit still, like the whole time. My mother had the ability to reach across. She had four boys. That's probably why she tapped out and she's in heaven already because, you know, I have done my part. Reach across and, and literally smack the one she needed to smack, which not all the time, but often was me. So think about that. Your kid, you're five years old, going to heaven means sitting still in a wooden pew forever. I mean, doesn't that sound like hell? <laughs> I remember the ladies of the church didn't wear a lot of makeup, but they made up for it with perfume. <laughs> and I don't know, perfume probably in the right word, because it, if you, like, it almost smelled like they went to the, uh, the Glade aisle at the grocery store and it was like air freshener. Do you know what I'm saying? Like springtime Glade, the new scent for women from Glade. <laughs> so that didn't sound like much fun at all. And then we advanced into a charismatic church came to town. Now, I got to tell you, from that point, that was about fifth, sixth grade. From that point, we thought, well, uh, eternity was going to be like a worship service forever. Anybody? That was your thing? Like, Because you, we're going to be singing around his throne. We're going to be singing. We're going to be dancing. And better than the, the, the wooden pews sitting still. But I, I, mean, I got to tell you, I've been to Haiti. I've been to Africa. I've been in the conga line in church. Imagine that, me the token white guy in the African church, you know, doing the Jesus conga. And those church services go on for hours. And, you know, for the first 30 minutes, it's amazing. The next 30 minutes, it's still pretty good. About hour three, right? I mean, I need an inhaler, a glass of water, and a nap. And forever. Better than the Nazarene thing, and God bless the Nazarenes. I gave my life to Jesus every week there for <laughs> three years. You know what I mean? But, but from there, it went from the, it's going to be forever, and I'll, okay, I'll do worship forever. But then it became about, the, uh, when it came to Jesus returning, I was a guy, and it became about the, the prayer. And some of you know what I'm talking about, the Jesus. I'm, I'm excited to go to heaven, and I want all that, but first, I want to get married. Which, if you're a guy, what you're really saying. <laughs> I d just g give me, you know what I mean? I'm going to do the Rebecca St. James and I don't date, whatever book, but I just, I just want to get married first. 
which parenthetically, this is very probable that it's going to happen to somebody, maybe multiple somebodies, that they've just been married, they have waited. It's their wedding night, they have survived the vows, they've, the reception is over, they've made it back to the hotel, and the Barry White music is on low, and, <laughs> and in the distance, a trumpet. <laughs> it by that much. <laughs> so, <laughs> heaven, our pictures of it, our ideas about it are informed by so many, so many things. And by the way, I, I truly believe this, that Whatever the most amazing thing that I can imagine this side of heaven, if, 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 he says, there'll be no regrets, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more sorrow, if I'm not going to look back to, to earth and say that I missed, I didn't get to do this, that whatever the best, best thing, which for me, and it turned out I was right, it was best, it was awesome, um, is better than that, then heaven is going to be uh, crazy amazing. Right? And our imageries of heaven on this side of earth, I, you know, I, I feel like it would be, I would be remiss if I didn't maybe establish a baseline for, hey, when I say heaven, this is what I mean, and when I say hell, this is what I mean, and, and more, maybe more importantly, this is what the Bible means when, when we speak of these things. Because the truth is, is our imagery right now, if, we, if you were to Google uh, heaven images, which I did for you, that's what you get, which kind of looks somewhere between Jack and the Beanstalk and Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Maybe a little Eric Clapton, I don't know, but it, the imagery, isn't that what the imagery, generally speaking, is, right? And I don't know if, if I'm 100% right on this, but if my citizenship is in heaven, Citizenship means that it feels familiar, not foreign. When I go to Haiti, it feels foreign. My citizenship is here. I, I feel like when we get to heaven, it will feel more familiar than foreign to us. That when I was five years old, if you'd asked me, do you want to go to heaven? I'd be like, I want to go to the park. I want to go fishing. I want, I, there's something in that. There's an image in that where I'll show you in scripture that I think is not... Like, that is probably more accurate. This reminds us more of, like, the set of TBN. But in heaven, if, I mean, think about it. I don't have gold lame in my living room. Like, we have no big wing-back chairs and cloud imagery. And, and if you do, God bless you. And I apologize right now if anybody does. I just feel really awkward right now if anybody happens to have gold lame and gold imagery. I think it'll feel more familiar than foreign. And, and here's why. And I'm going to show you now, and you're going to think, well, why are we going to, to do this? But I think that the only way to really understand uh, heaven in the future, one of the best ways maybe to understand it is to look at the beginning. Because in the future, he is restoring things back to the way that they were. Right? And so to think of the idea of floating on clouds with harps, like every Bugs Bunny, you know, 
is not a patently biblical idea. And to understand the future of where we are going, it's let's look at the beginning. And there's a little graph that I've, I've got for you, and it's really super fancy. Um, because when we think of the views of heaven, when we think of how this life works, there's, I put, I'm using the word traditional view, but I don't think that's maybe the right word, the, the common view. Okay, the common view of the Christian walk is, is that uh, I've, I've, I'm born, I'm on this world, it is mostly awesome, but sometimes sucks, and I, but I'm going along here, and then I, 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 I die, and then I get to the password moment. Okay, the password moment is I'm standing in front of Jesus, and, and so for some of you, your password was, did you say the prayer, right? The, 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 the sinner's prayer, the, the guy was playing the keyboard, and you raised your hand because you don't want to go to hell. Did you, that might be the password moment for you. Others, the password would be baptism, right? That if you're not baptized, you don't get in. And others, if you came maybe from more of an ecumenical or maybe more of a traditional Catholic or background, there's, there's more traditions. But, but whatever the, the thing, there's a password moment. And if you get the right password, then you either go to uh, heaven or hell. Uh, it's goats and it's sheep one way or the other. And that's sort of the common view. Does anybody like that sort of sums up maybe like the, your evangelical view of, yeah, a few of you. I would say this, that that is a common view and it's not even entirely incorrect, it's just incomplete. It's just inadequate. It oversimplifies this very, not complicated, but complex and beautiful thing that God has done for us. Because if you want to go in and be informed by the, the Bible, like this is a biblical, I know that sounds a little presumptuous that I'm going to throw this on you, but if, if you just take the Bible at face value, which is not a bad way to take the Bible, I might add. We were created in the image of God, in the garden. The, the image bearers of God, made from dirt and divine breath. Dirt and breath. And in that garden, the image bearers, just a couple pages in, you don't even have to go, like turn the second page of the Bible, and it's already going downhill. Because the image bearers of God, which are there to represent God and be what God has created them to be, which was to rule and to subdue. and to They weren't just sitting around picking flowers and naming bugs. Like, there were stuff going on. And at a point, they had a choice to make. And there was this, whether it was a literal tree or a figurative tree, you may not believe it or what, but there was a moment where they ate from what the Bible refers to as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that tree, that was them saying, I am going to decide what is right and wrong. Not just that I'm going to know what's right and wrong. I will decide what is right and what is wrong. I appreciate your enthusiasm, God. I got this handled. And in that rebellion, sin and death has entered the world. And you see that reflected there, that the present age of our world right now, that we are living dead. We are zombies. That our souls are being inside are dead and our physical bodies are decaying. The minute, there's somewhere that science even tells you, you hit a certain age, somewhere around 32, 35, and your body, it's like Benjamin Button, but you're not getting younger. Like it's, you've stopped growing and now you're going backwards. And that is a biblical, it's the second law of thermodynamics. You guys are living it right now. Your bodies are decaying, but there's a moment 
where this side of heaven, we make a decision to accept God's love and his grace and his saying, I will have you to be the Lord over me. You designed me, you created me, you know me, and believing of the work, of the finished work of the cross, that Jesus, that God became man and he dwelt among us and that he died and he resurrected just as the scriptures foretold, just as he predicted. And parenthetically, you ever meet a guy that runs around the earth, says, hey, you know what, I'm going to die, and here's what's going to happen, and in three days I'm going to rise again, uh, and then he does it, you ought to listen to him. And then he says, I'm going to come back again. You, 400 prophecies said this was going to happen the first time. I believe the other ones as well, be that as it may. On this side of heaven, we make this decision to either go on living in living death and to say, I'm going to live the way that I want, not the way that he has designed me to live, and I can't hardly think of a better definition of hell than to say this is how I'm designed to be created, but I'm going to live a different way. I'm going to live in death with that. And so we can go on that way, or we can take this parallel path and say I'm going to go to eternal life, which isn't some future thing. It starts here, this side of heaven, that the Bible speaks of us being seated in heavenly places with Christ now, that it's not some future reality only. It's a present opportunity for us. In the same way that on this side, that the living death, that hell isn't some surprise twist at the end of the story. Bum, 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 bum. This is a, a continuation of a, of a decision to live apart from Christ. And we'll speak of those things in the weeks to come. But I wanted to, again, build the baseline so that when I say heaven or I say hell or I say eternity or the age to come, that we're all using the same language here. Because what we spend a lot of time on is that now at this point there is a physical death. And this part right here is where we spend the most time. It's where when you think about heaven, it's where you and I would imagine we spend an enormous amount of time on in heaven with Christ who have been with or those who have rejected Christ, which the Bible has about two or three things to say on in heaven with Christ. And here's what basically what it is. You're with Christ immediately and it's not permanent where you, the way you are right then. That's, what, that's basically, and I'll show you the scriptures, that sums it up. You'll be with Christ immediately, and it won't be a permanent state that you'll be in. And the only thing that the Bible says on those that have rejected Christ is the grave. That's it, no details. Now there's plenty to say about this part, because this part is what is called the age to come. It's the kingdom. It's, the Bible has the absolute most to say about that. This age to come where we're, he's going to recreate the heaven, the new heaven and the new earth and, and your body is going to be resurrected. You won't be a disembodied spirit anymore. So when I speak of heaven, I'm speaking of a moment and I'll let you know when I'm not, of this part right here, of the age to come. That there will be a new heaven, there will be a new earth, that it Bible tells us very specifically that the government will be on his shoulders. And man, I am eternally grateful for that. Maybe he's given us these thousands of years of human history to say, you guys have tried it every which way but loose, okay? You've tried every ism, you know, every communism, Marxism, capitalism, democracy. You've tried them all. And we'll be able to say, yeah, and we kind of just, we botched that whole thing, and we can finally say, oh, we trust you that what you say is wise and what you say is right. That is in the age to come, and that is the point that we are all heading towards. Have I confused or lost anyone? We good? 
Tim Bassanio. <laughs> Pastor Tim Bassanio. <laughs> Let's go back to the image of God. Isn't this exciting? I also have a laser pointer. I'm very excited about that. In the garden, it says that God created us in his image. Male and female, he created them. The male and the female both have attributes and uh, things about us that are glimpses and pictures of God. Masculine and feminine. He created us in his image. And his image, we are. This body was something that the, 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 the spirit that you are, the soul that you are, was never meant to be without a body. It says that he breathed into them, and that word is ruach. Jesus did that again, by the way, in the, uh, the disciples after his resurrection. It says that he breathed into them, and it was the same word, ruach. When God moved upon the waters, it was ruach. It was his spirit. So God, in Genesis 2, it says he created us out of the dirt, and then he breathed this divine spark inside of us this life, this ruach. He created animals. Animals also have this divine life, but he gave us a very specific thing in that we are higher than the animal. There's a reason why that we were to rule and to subdue and to be good and to, to be good stewards of the earth as it is right now because that was our gig from the very beginning. And then you remember the story, a serpent would come and, Say to Eve, you know he's holding out on you, right? You know he's probably lying to you. He said, if you do this, you know, first of all, he says, you, you, know, you can't eat from every tree in the garden. That's not what he said. It was one tree. But he's holding out on you. He, doesn't, he knows this. Here's what he, I know, he knows that if you do this, you will become like God. They were image bearers. They already were like God. But you'll be like God. It's the lie, the same lie to today. <laughs> He's holding out on you. Because what he was really selling them was the pride, that you, prideful that you, should, you know better than this. And what he's really saying is I, you want to be equal with God. The danger of equality is when I'm saying I want to be equal with God, to rise up to that level to say, I'm going to make the decisions of what is right and what is wrong. And that's not new. That's an old, old idea. And at that moment, when death enters the world, there was another tree in the garden, and it was the tree of life. Immortality is a gift. And in the garden, they were given a gift of immortality. And when you think about it, and you're God, and now the, the humans have, have allowed sin into the world, and, and in some ways, some theologians believe it was almost like a lease agreement signing over to the enemy, to sin and to darkness and to destruction. And so when the, the devil is referred to as the prince of the power of the air, that's what he's speaking of, that his authority on this earth for now. But think about that. The, 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 she's now signing over this to him and the, the Ruach is still in them. But if they were to go on living forever 
in a sinful and destructive state. God, in his mercy, pulled them from the garden knowing that they couldn't live like that, that that's no way to live. And from that moment on, launched a plan to rescue his children. And that plan involved Jesus becoming man, becoming an image bearer like us, and then living out the image like we did and dying in our place. The wages of sin is death. He just cashed the check for you. But now we have that ruach still in us, the, the, the divine life that Jesus, when he breathed into the disciples, there's a genuine miracle that I don't think we appreciate. We probably don't fully understand this side of heaven of what it means to be a new creature in Christ, to be seated in heavenly places, to be in a place where heaven isn't just some far off and future place, but it starts right here. When we talk about his will being done on earth as it is in heaven, look to the garden. Was anybody hungry in the garden? No. So when we go and we bring food to a child in Haiti, to a child in Africa, to a child here, Due to the generosity of some conduits, we're about to drop $150,000 to remodel the entire Place of Hope interior in Colombia. Right? Yeah, we should probably celebrate that. <laughs> that's kind of a big deal. Those things happen a lot around here, so we kind of forget that that's a big deal. But that's, you know, Shannon and Holly and Melissa, there's going to be some people going down there. And in our culture, you know what they say about drug addicts and alcoholics? You, it's your fault. You're worthless. You're, that's what the kingdom of this world says. The kingdom of God says, no, no, no. You are infinitely valuable and worth it. So when we go there, we're bringing heaven to earth there because in the garden, nobody was in need. Nobody was addicted. Nobody. So in that moment, it's a glimpse of glory and it's a whisper of Eden with us bringing heaven to earth. Us understanding what heaven is helps us to know what our calling is this side of it. You know what the world system says about children in West Africa? They're worthless. And you can argue with that all day long but it's true because there's no money in it. And so they go on and th what's happening in Syria is, is awful and it's atrocious and it's on the news every day. The problem is, is that's happening all over the world. And so the kingdom of God says they're worth it. Last month we sent $15,000 to rescue a family, it's multiple families now, coming out of Mosul to get to a place, Christian families who have been abused and massacred and their children and, and they're now living in safety in, in, in a hospital in Erbil, Iraq because the kingdom of God says that they're worth it. Heaven on earth isn't some ethereal thing, it's real. And if we do anything and we focus and we go into just thinking about heaven without realizing what it really could look like this side of it. It'll be fun and it will be. It'll be a lot. This is going to be really interesting. There's some stuff that, I, that has literally blown my mind. But if all I do is we just sit around and blow each other's minds and meanwhile children are dying and addicts are still homeless on the streets and life, then are we really bringing heaven to earth? that breath of life still exists in all of us. Job would say that, look, if he were to take away his breath, Job 24, we would all die. That divine breath of God in the entire world still exists here. 
And he still wants all of us to be on the path that says, I don't want death and destruction and evil. I want to just clearly, you, you could sneeze stars, you could make it rain turtles, you know stuff that I don't know you're worth following and listening to, believing that he's who he said he was. Every one of us, he wants to have that opportunity because heaven begins this side of death. Death is an invader. Death, I was in there the last night when my mother uh, passed away. It was 2008. And what I remember, a doctor told me that, you know, look, she's here, but her body is still fighting. The way that a body shuts down, your organs begin to shut down, but it keeps pumping blood to your heart and to your brain. Because even the body knows that death is an invader and doesn't want to give up. At the core of who we are, eternity is written on our hearts. But death, the invader, this awful thing that has come, doesn't get the final word because what does Paul say? Death, where is your sting? Because you understand that not dying, that's cheating death. Resurrecting, that's defeating death. And someday... Your spirit, which right now on this side, if we're in the intermediate stage, and that's not just for people who accepted Christ, all of us, and we'll talk later, all that, but for you that are with Christ, that when you, that moment, it says that, that you know, that when the Jesus returns, that we who are alive and remain will join and meet him in the air, and those who are in the ground will rise first, probably because they have six more feet to go, but, <laughs> I mean, you don't know, I don't if we're going to rise up in the air, technically the earth is round. Are we just going to explode? Or are we all going to go to the North Pole and meet up? I don't know. But what I do know is that your body as it is now will be no more. It'll be like a seed planted in the ground. Paul talks about it like a tent that was folded up. Has anybody been camping lately? I, I used it when I was a kid, but my 45-year-old back don't much care for camping anymore. Because at some point you put your tent away and you go home because home there's bed home there's toilets and just magic things and this body someday will fold up and the Bible also refers to it as a seed that goes into the ground and what does a seed do it grows and what grows resurrects out of something completely new and I believe it'll be completely like it was in the Garden of Eden, there will be a new heaven and a new earth that won't feel like a Nazarene church service. It won't feel like a charismatic church service. It'll be much more like going to the park, like awesome, like we'll be doing stuff, and that's the future for us. And when Paul says to keep your mind on Colossians 3, keep your mind on higher things, we... We ought to listen to that because when I keep my mind on earthly things, I got to tell you what, my blood pressure begins to boil. My heart rate goes up. I get angry because we're all doing our best to try to, with these imperfect ideas of what justice and Jesus is and so we're going to disagree on stuff and we're going to look and see this, but that was awesome, but this wasn't awesome and I have be careful to say this. I'm the daughter, I'm the father of three daughters. I am all about women and women's rights and Jesus and what he's doing. But I'm about all women and if that's the unborn ones as well. 
to stand up and say that that is important. But on this side of heaven, that gets a little confusing and it gets people angry. But if I pull back and say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and keep my mind on higher things, it's a perfect way to navigate an imperfect world, this fallen world that we're in. I'm gonna read you something this morning. And I, Greg, are you here? Did you make it this morning? You might, I'm gonna read your blog. I didn't ask you this, so I'm hoping that you're okay that I read this. If we don't understand Greg was part of the reason why I'm even diving into this series because I'm, I'm so inspired by the journey that Greg and Tracy and Jackson are on right now. Greg was diagnosed five years ago with a, a cancer that is, uh, the doctor's reports are not great. And if you're not following him, I don't know if you can even, if you, if you may not have any room for more friends or, we need to get a blog up so you can have more people reading your stuff. Greg has been writing a book about this journey that he's on and and I'm reading this to you because if we don't understand this, then heaven can be fun and ethereal, but there's a reason I'm saying this. We only have so much time this side of heaven. And what we're gonna do with that time is of utmost importance and value to us. And I'll skip down to, um, he's, he's writing the book about this journey that he's on, and that's why it's titled The, the Diagnosis in the Final Chapter. And, and Greg has been writing regularly and inspiring thousands of people, and I'm just one of them. He's talking about how often he reads Ivy's edited version of his thoughts, because when you write a book, you write it, and then an editor comes and makes it actually readable. Uh, edited version of my thoughts with tears streaming down my face, because I've lived the experiences. I've met the people mentioned, and I personally know what I'm reading feels, how I'm reading feels. The fact is, however, that when all is said and done, if the only person who ever reads my book is my son, Jackson, then this exercise will have been worth the effort, and for that I am thankful. Currently we're working on the diagnosis in the final chapter. There are still several chapters to write, but Ivy has encouraged me to draft my thoughts on these two topics. She asked, if you only had 20 minutes remaining, what would you want to share with a friend? Since my diagnosis five years ago, I've seen numerous friends move to the front of the line. These are friends who were wrestling with cancer and others outside of this ecosystem who death visited their homes unexpectedly. There have been auto accidents, aneurysms, and unexpected heart attacks, and as I ponder this, I realize the diagnosis was a gift. Those of us who have been given this gift know that we are not going to be here forever. We've grown to understand that yesterday is a memory, tomorrow is not promised, and so truly all we really have is today. So if this is true, why invest even a minute in things that don't matter? For me, today holds round 67 of chemotherapy and I'm excited to see my friends at Vanderbilt who draw my blood for labs and the doctors in the hallway and my fellow patients. There is certain to be a few people that I'll be able to encourage along the way and I'm excited to discover who they are. You see why I'm so inspired by all that? None of us know the hour when we will have the privilege of standing before Jesus. None of us know when we will take our last breath. So allow me to encourage you to make the most of what you've been given today 
and live it to the fullest. That is exactly what I intend to do. Will you join me? Amen. I wanted to end with that because isn't the, when I'm talking all this time, aren't you immediately beginning to think about the children in Haiti and I got to do these great and mighty things for God and he talked about if all I ever do, if Jackson's the only one who reads it, it's his own son, then it's worth it. In our own lives, in our own home is the most important mission field that we have. Why even invest one minute in things that don't matter in, in distracting from your own, from your children? I'm guilty of it. Most of us in here don't have that gift that Greg speaks of. We have this weird idea we can just do that tomorrow. There will always be another time. I hope that you are reminded today that there's this amazing thing that God has that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. And as amazing as we make it here, it's still going to be better. But while we're here, Jesus said, occupy until I come. Building little outposts for the kingdom of God here. Little glimpses, little conduits of heaven to earth. Little moments, little glimmers, little whispers of Eden. And if you don't do anything else this week, start with your own family. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, your name is holy. You are, you are complete. There's nothing missing in you. And part of your will being done on earth and heaven, that prayer that you prayed 2,000 years ago is being done in our lives today because we have whispers of heaven inside of us right now. For those of us here that maybe don't know, I don't have the road mapped out, God, I don't know, maybe I'm on this road of destruction. I pray that today that they'll, you will reach out to them and they will respond today. To say, I, I, I want to do what you want, God. I believe in you and receive what you've done. For those of us that have already started that road down to eternal life that has already started, I pray that I, that we, will steward it well. That you will give us the gift of awareness that we have just a limited amount of time this side of heaven and to use it and to steward it well. And Lord, yeah, for Greg and for Tracy and for Jackson, that you're, you would comfort them and, and, and encourage them. And, and if I selfishly, Lord, if I had my will, you would heal him and it would be a really awesome, miraculous story. Pray for that. And I'm yet thankful for the, the way that they've been, have stewarded what has been done in their lives and that we can all, we can all take a, a, a lesson and, and hopefully a, an awareness and an awakening that, that I don't think we can academically understand that only your spirit can arise within us today. The reminder that we're seated. And I know, Lord, that there's some of us here that we've already said goodbye to loved ones. And would you give us hope today that we'll get to see them again and to remind us of how awesome that is and the, the gift of immortality? 
We're thankful for you, Jesus. We're thankful for what you've done, for what you are doing, for what you will do. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.